0: A-V-I-Y-O dot com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. We're a leading email and SMS marketing agency, and the way we're helping our clients right now is by helping them double down on their customers. We're doing that by making sure they have best-in-class email and SMS marketing programs from end to end. This includes making sure their automation is optimized and fully tested to ensure maximum performance. Creative is refreshed, on-brand, engaging, creating a delightful experience for everybody who opens your email campaigns. Same applies to SMS, making sure you have on-brand creative, personalized to that channel so that people don't feel like they're being bombarded with the text and instead you're building and nurturing that additional touch point with that customer. And in return, by doubling down on your customers through best-in-class execution of these channels, it's what is essential to thrive and grow in these times. It's If you want to maximize profitability, the way to do it is not chasing more Facebook ads or chasing the next channel on TikTok. It's by doubling down on your existing customers, creating a better experience through your CRM channels, and nurturing the relationships that you already have and worked so hard to acquire. Through engaging content, and by testing and optimizing to see what works and what doesn't, and then scaling up what works, all while keeping in mind that the person on the other end of your list is a real human being, and by creating content that they actually want to see, you can increase revenue, and you can even do that through advanced segmentation to drive even more personalized messages at scale, while ultimately growing revenue and profitability. And if you need help doing all of that, because it is complex, it is complicated, we know how to thread that fine needle of building your brand, building community, while also growing revenue. You can learn more about working with us by going to wavebreak.co. That's wavebreak.co, linked down in the show notes below. Today on the show, I'm joined by Ty Haney, founder of Outdoor Voices, and today founder and CEO at TYB Try Your Best, which is a web3 platform for loyalty for brands, as well as Joggy, which is a new energy brand. And we cover everything from launching a brand in today's market, thoughts and opinions on what's going on inside of influencer marketing today, we talk about how Ty would scale well, and is scaling her new brand, as well as what she believes is the future of brand building in today's market and beyond. Really excited for today's episode. Let's get right into it. Ty, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but to start off, want to start with your quick background for the people who are unfamiliar, obviously Outdoor Voices you know, one of the OG brands in the space, um, opened a lot of doors, showed a lot of people what's possible. But let's start there. If you can give like the brief rundown of the brand and, you know, starting yeah. in all that, and then we can get into some of the newer things you're working on as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, just quick kind of background on me. I, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, super outdoorsy, recreational town, hiking, biking, kayaking everywhere, and then moved to New York City to go to college. I went to Parsons Design School. And out of school, uh, decided to start Outdoor Voices. Really, with the mission to create a brand that, in the active wear space, that inspired people to move on a daily basis for the fun of it, rather than the pressure to perform. I had been an athlete growing up in war and loved brands like Nike, but realized when I was in the city, I was no longer being as active as I had been in high school, etc. And wanted a brand that you know could be the community and kind of inspiration for that daily activity to really maximize happiness and health through movement um and so started outdoor voices uh in 2014 i think i was 23 years old and it really took off and we raised a lot of money and i'll talk through my learnings but ultimately the headline for me was we we had a community that became our moat we had this super engaged passionate fan base that would show up to every event that we hosted host outdoor voices events on their own influence colorways of things like the exercise dress And the love and affinity for this brand and the community was palpable. And and ultimately, community became our number one growth channel. And so that that experience has really kind of informed what I'm focused on today with Try Your Best, which is a Web3 loyalty and community management tool. And then that experience has also um, led me to do things differently with Joggy, which is a CPG uh, clean energy brand
0: yeah, that's awesome. And thanks for the super quick getting us up to speed. You're really good at that. But how did you so you started the brand and it like out of school, you're twenty three and then you raised venture capital. Like how did you think or like know to go raise venture without, you know a whole career of experience before that?
1: I mean, it's all about experimentation. So um I that's that's the way I work. like i'll I'll try a lot of things, see what works, see what doesn't, and then evolve and kind of like refine, you know quickly and the the vision was big so i again had like grown up with nike seen these really powerful activewear brands though wanted to create a female founded version that that you know viewed the world of activity differently and so the mission was to build the the next great um activewear brand and and that's that required additional capital i had bootstrapped it um probably for the first 7 to 8 months to get us to an like a An initial set of products that then, you know, I could get on to people and see that people were liking it. Um, And then from there, put a package together and used my .edu uh, email address to get into essentially meetings with a list of investors that I had literally Googled and found, you know, were best in class as it related to direct consumer.
0: Got it. And so did you have like, were you in like sort of the startup ecosystem before that? Or no, you were just like, I have this vision for this brand. And then like, like you said, you just iterate and like, just go for it and then figure it out from there.
1: At at Parsons, I was in a pretty interesting degree. So it was a business, um, it was called design and management, a business degree. And you took classes at Columbia and then kind of visual classes at Parsons. Um, And I'd say the number one kind of takeaway from that program was the ability to visualize your ideas and, and then pitch them. And so um, I I had become quite good at that. I've worked at a number of kind of incubator, brand incubator um, programs during school, but I had no experience pitching to people. And so and a, a lot of reps essentially going and doing it quite often was required out of the gates. Um, but I, you know, showed up with a bunch of passion. And then, and then again, like got better and better each pitch uh, and people really saw the vision and, and the opportunity
0: yeah I mean I mean that's awesome I, um, and it's a great story and like you can hear even today like the same passion in your voice we are talking mm-hmm. about that idea and then the other ideas too um so joggy clean energy that's like the new brand you're working on tell us about that like what is it how do you come up with it we'll go from there
1: yeah i I think the through line that you'll see kind of consistently through the brands that I build, will always be kind of tethered to inspiring, helping people understand how to make exercise as foundational to your everyday as eating, drinking, and sleeping. And so that's something that I personally have to wake up and do, go sweat, change the chemistry of my body, or I don't essentially show up to, you know, the day as the the version of Thai that I want to be. So uh, it's just the way of life that I've known forever. And so that'll come to life, you know, in different types of brands, et cetera. Uh, Joggy really was born um, after I left Outdoor Voices and was starting to train for a half marathon. I had at Outdoor Voices really been obsessed with endorphins and kind of the science behind endorphins make you happy and, and that being like a nice way to get more people into activity. And as I clicked into kind of the further science, I realized that really what gives you the feeling of kind of joyful, euphoric runner's high is your endocannabinoid system, something that each of us has. It regulates mood. And that's where when you run for, let's say, six to 10 miles, those those kind of euphoric feelings come from. Our body, the endocannabinoid system, makes something chemically similar to cannabis. And so I started thinking about, could we create a product called Runner's High that works with that system, supplements that system, and ultimately is almost like a pre-workout, something that you take before you exercise, it makes it more fun, more joyful, more euphoric, and then it allows you to go for longer. And so the mission really is to help people maximize happiness through movement, which sounds familiar, of course, to doing things with outdoor voices. Um, but it's it's from a product perspective about creating kind of premium energy products that support kind of your energizing needs and recovery needs around activity.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And so you 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 started putting these things together. And then how did you go to actually like creating it? Like at first were you like, is this even possible? And then you found out like it was possible or like, how did you actually end up formulating the product? Because, you know, apparel is a very difficult business. You figured yeah. that out. I mean, I imagine CBD, that's not straightforward at all either. Um, So how did yeah. you go about figuring out like the initial formulation to achieve what you ended up discovering?
1: Yeah, it always starts with like a clear kind of reason for being for me. So this mission was clear. And then... I had been drinking Red Bull, which called me crazy, but I had just loved Red Bull for whatever reason. But as you look at what the ingredients are, it's like a total, you know, it's, it's a nightmare. So you yeah. don't want to be drinking Can't that pronounce so,
0: most of those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, I just need a simple, clean kind of energizing product. And then I had been a track athlete and this runner's tie concept I felt was quite commercial, you know, co- commercially viable. I ended up finding this lab out of Austin called Sante Labs, um, and they're the leader in accredited testing for cannabinoid products. So they essentially test every cannabinoid product on the market. I went to them with this brief, hey, I want to I create Runner's High as a product. Come back to me with what would make sense from a formulation standpoint. And they did. And, and we ended up um, kind of dialing in or narrowing in on this more recently researched cannabinoid called THCV, not THC. It's not psychoactive. But it's the cannabinoid that's energizing. And it's funny now that runner tie is out in the market and people are using it every day. A lot of people report back that it has really focusing kind of effects. And, and so you can kind of think like a plant-based Adderall. People have said that to us. Anyway, that's that's where we started. Um, and I'm someone who's never been interested in CBD. Like I, it's never worked for me. I thought it was snake oil. Um but what's, what, what's super cool about Sante Labs is they use a water-based tech um, that essentially makes active ingredients 80% more bioavailable, which means you feel it, the effects of it. And so it's, it's fast acting, it's potent, and it's not um, a feeling that I had ever felt with CBD products in the past. So if you visually look at this, the, the joggy runner's eye is white and like traditional CBD oils are oil. If you think back to chemistry class, oil and water don't mix. So anyway, that that's kind of how I got started. But really by doing a lot of research, similarly to my time at After Voices um, to find kind of the best in class partners
0: yeah that's awesome. I love like the um and I love how like what's similar is like the same like a similar mission, but in terms of like bringing it down into formula for other people, it's like you start with the mission and then you kind of like, okay, we'll figure out the product because like we have a mission that I believe in. I feel like too many people over the last few years when the market was just super hot, were just like you know looking around their bathroom and thinking like, all right, what can I do to see if I throw online and like try to scale even if they don't love it or like really believe in the mission and and, and now you know when things aren't as easy you know, you see those people like not as motivated to see it through. Um, I I love how like uh, that's your foundation.
1: Starting from a very differentiated positioning is super key. So I'd say the top three things, very clear reason for being mission, vision, et cetera. I I find that when I talk to a lot of people, like they almost miss that step, (laughs) but like that's, (laughs) that's how you create an emotional connection to a brand. Right. And so that needs to be the headline in all cases. Um, The second is like the product needs to be so good that undoubtedly when someone tries it, they're going to tell a friend. Um, And so working with true experts is essential. And the third thing I forget, but I'm sure we'll come back to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Most people aren't doing one and two. So that should be that should be enough. Speaking of like doing things differently, you mentioned that was something that you're doing the same, which is like starting with this core mission and vision. What are you doing differently now with Joggy based on your learnings from before?
1: Yeah. um, In my eight years at Outdoor Voices, I definitely learned that the direct to consumer model is not direct. And so, um, you know, you end up spending, we ended up spending 30 to 40% of our dollars raised to Facebook or Instagram for not sticky customers. So we call them one and done customers. Meanwhile, we're running this community strategy that was higher touch. It started offline and it started with essentially events on a local level. And so, you know, Outdoor Voices would host events and then our ambassadors would host events. And this became the most valuable way to introduce any new person to the brand. From a lifetime value perspective, they were four times more valuable coming in through this higher touch community effort versus any sort of paid social. And so I've, I've essentially you know, characterized direct to consumer is not direct and, and moved into this model that we're uh, calling community integrated commerce. And it's this—it's essentially formalizing relationships with your ambassadors or more, most loyal fans, and then directly rewarding them for helping you grow. And so that could be anything from rewarding them for sharing to social, referring to friends, submitting a review, hosting an, an event, all familiar things, but not, not easy. You know, there's no, there's been no kind of de- default or um, go-to channel to coordinate kind of this valuable action, and then redistribute that you know dollar that we used to spend on Facebook and Instagram directly to our our loyal fans.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like we've all like had some product or like been wearing something or you see somebody else and you're like, hey, what is that? And there's no like easy way to get the referral. Like everyone's running the give 20, get 20. But like, you know, how many people are really going out and chilling those or like, it's just like not the right time and place when you get asked most of the time. Um, And so is this the exact model? It looks like, you know, on Joggy itself, like you're using this exact, um, you know, community building strategy.
1: Yeah, so joggy joggy came first. So we started working on this for getting product um, going. If if you look, there's five products right now, um, and they're really great energy products to so try them out. But as I started to think about okay, and this like today, how would I go live with a brand? Um, I realized that there was an opportunity to create this community toolkit that that did what I just described. So allows me as a from zero brand to. Uh, formalize relationships and directly incentivize those that are early fans. Um, and so TYB was born out of that, pretty simply thinking, like, what's a better model for going live as a brand, as a consumer brand today? Um, and so what that looked like was ahead of selling any product, this was last April, um, we sold 500 joggy-doggy collectibles, this cute brown animated joggy-doggy that jumps in the air and catches a green joggy Frisbee we sold 500 for 250 each and they came with a suite of perks um and again quite experimental but we sold out of them in 40 uh 40 hours and so we had our first 500 essentially fans of the brand that now we could go request kind of action from and so we uh then launched our first product a month later and had this built in network um you know of ambassadors to essentially distribute the message and so that's pretty simply the the strategy that we're uh, leaning into and, and where TYB, try your best, the Web3 kind of loyalty um, toolkit came from.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then how does it work with like, so you did that, that technically like raised like $125,000. Like then what do you do? Like, did you use those funds to like fund the brand? So it's like funded by those initial customers or like, how does that work?
1: Uh, We, we did not, it wasn't like a Kickstarter. It was more so around like, getting people yeah. bought into the mission however we had already raised money for tyb
0: Got uh it. Joggy
1: is owned by tyb so tyb essentially funds joggy um that said it becomes kind of over time like a compelling way for people to raise money and or or working capital for a collection etc is via yeah. this collectible. um but yeah uh, joggy's been funded by tyb
0: yeah no, that's awesome. And and I like the the new approach and it's like an NFT for like a purpose versus just, you know, a flex or I mean, a waste of money. A
1: hundred percent. Like the, um, and if, and we don't even use the word NFT, we use collectible pretty, collectible, got you it. know, because of the baggage of this kind of crypto world. And, right. um, and there's with the collectible, what we're really focused on is it unlocking uh real utility. And so, that is pretty simply like access with a brand or experience with a brand or rewards from a brand. Um, but we've yeah, very much been focused on that utility when you have a collectible. Yeah. What, awesome. thing, the reason I like was interested in Web3 connected to consumer out, out of the gates was this idea of ownership. And so um it just makes sense to me that you know, loyal fans of a brand who show up to every event, et cetera, should have stake or aligned incentive in the continued success of that brand. And I think, you know, today that can start as kind of digital souvenirs or digital collectibles. And that in Outdoor Voices land was the blue physical blue doing things hat, which nowadays would be digital and you'd you know, have a bunch of perks with that. But over time, this can be more meaningful where the incentive can become revenue-based rewards or ownership in a co-created style. And I think what I get excited about Um, kind of near to long term is the idea that the next great Nike will be community founded, led and owned. And like you look at the cap table and it's a hundred thousand kind of community members versus, you know, you know, a few, a handful of VCs.
0: Yeah. And and, and I like that approach too, because it's like, you know, those initial people do play a big role in getting it off the ground. And they're also like, it's a smarter consumer today. Like they have access to Robinhood in the stock market and they know what's going on or like even like the de-influencing trend that's happening now, totally. the yeah. dupe trend where it's like brands are kind of like, I don't know, it's like TikTok has given brands this new voice that's like, you know, cut throat if you're not, you know, walking down yeah. the right path as a brand. Um, totally. And I was going to ask because like, you know, I was going to ask like why web three, because, you know, this could just be, you know, there's so many platforms out there that are like for referrals or give one, get one, like we were saying. Um, but I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure you thought about that too in, in creating the platform. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, people ask all the time, like, why does this need to be on blockchain? And it's a, it's a great question over time. It becomes more important that it is, but like, it comes down to two things, ownership and then interoperability. and so. We're living in a world today where like every brand has their own loyalty program and they're like these tiny micro systems that like most people don't even care about. What's cool about these rewards living on chain is they become interoperable for brands that want to play together. And so, um, for instance, if Joggy has a coin and you've earned a lot of Joggy coins and we're working, let's say, with Ahoka, different brands can opt in to make essentially their coins exchangeable. Um, where I have doggy coins, I want to move them to Hoka, and it's a really kind of collaborative and like synergistic way of working together. Where it, you know, not every brand's paying dollars to acquire customers, you know, and and increasing that price against each other. But hey, we're going to be more collaborative in the approach, and like there's synergy in the audience, and and it's valuable to work together to to kind of um, yeah make these rewards interoperable, if that makes sense.
0: No, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I can only see like, imagine like the Streetway or any kind of like luxury brand where there's like a lot of hype and exclusivity around products, like getting yeah. into this and like see it really, you know, basically actually taking, because like everyone talks about like, oh, the metaverse and like taking physical products into into Web3, but it's yeah. like, what does that really look like? I think this is like the closest, like one of the best use cases like so far that actually makes sense and then really has utility versus just like, you know, the shirt that you own in the metaverse
1: a hundred percent. And I think, um, a, a few other things just on that point, what TYB becomes is your one portal into like more meaningful relationships with your favorite brands and, and communities of those brands. Cause again, like, I I think Amex does it most elegantly, but like mm. a, all loyalty programs sit, you know, in various places and I ended up, end up not using them. So that, that kind of like one portal in is important. um, And then there was another quick point. I don't know. Let's keep going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no worries. And then, so like, how does it work? So like you do the initial offering of collectibles, people opt in. Then as a brand, like how do you communicate? How do you run that community? Can like people sell their stakes to other people? Or like, how does the community grow after you do the initial offering or it doesn't? Or like, how does that work? Uh,
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple. So there's just additions of, or like tranches created for this membership collectible. So Mm. in Joggy's, in Joggy's, um, case we started with the brown joggy doggy collectible there were 500 and then we essentially issued a thousand green joggy doggies and they had a few less perks but in all instances this first collectible acts as your key into the community where you can start to complete these challenges so um key concept collectible is key gives you access uh we have not at the moment kind of happy path or created ux ui to like allow people to bring their joggy-doggy to OpenSea and trade it. That said, so in the in kind of the current case, we're really focused on what we call fat wallets. So getting people kind of used to this new way of engaging and like what's a collectible, why does it live in my wallet and what does it unlock from me? Um, and then in the near, near-ish near term, kind of midway through this year, we'll start to create and connect kind of the ability to move your joggy-doggy out and into OpenSea. And that that's where kind of this ownership matters in that, for instance, if I'm going back in time with Outdoor Voices and the first hundred people who had the blue doing things hat got access to this private page on on OutdoorVoices.com with exclusive product, somebody would pay a lot of money for that, you know, one of the hundred blue doing things hats uh, right. today. So the ability to create value is is real. And I think we'll start to see that turn on kind of in the coming months.
0: Totally. And like limited edition or like yeah. no longer accessible products. I think that's huge. Like every brand wants to like, you know, take the skew that's working and then run it up until they have to like, you know, wholesale it at a discount or something that's instead right. of just like leaving it be. And I think that's another missed opportunity too, is like creating those special moments for consumers. And I like how like this encourages that versus like, Hey, you know, like, you know, this water bottle's ripping, let's rip it even more. And then you end that's up right. and it's like not cool anymore.
1: So, 100. Two two notes there from from my OV experience. I remember sitting around the table with like our board member, and the question was asked, "How high is high?" And we were talking about like a pink flamingo legging or something, and we asked that question, and it was like the the worst thing we could have ever done because then we bought like I don't know forty thousand pink flamingo leggings. And oh man! So, like I I think scarcity and like demand planning where celebrate sellouts is like something I yeah. certainly from that experience um you know that i apply now
0: totally and they're, these are literally leggings with like flamingos on them
1: no the the, the color name is called flamingo pink and oh like, got you know, can't it can't think got about that so, so i sad. was
0: picturing like the actual like actual flamingos on legs and i'm like wow forty thousand. that is really <laughs> yeah, gutsy a, for that yeah oh no but that that yeah that makes that makes total sense and then with joggy i see like you're teasing now you know want to try our energy drink join the community you know you're playing into that with the energy drink was that always like the end goal for joggy is like we want to get into the energy drink game after because i know you have like a variety of cbd products now you've got gummies um i think you have like yeah. oils or something like that um, no oils,
1: no oils. or not um, oil what
0: is it called no how do you say it water-based
1: tinctures drops yeah. tinctures yeah, yeah. Joggy, Joggy is an energy company. So that's the category. And then essentially like what I described with runner's high was a kind of differentiated way to approach energy. That said, like our full focus is on becoming the clean, better for you, Red Bull. And so having the beverage is super important. Um, But what's been cool is, and quickly, this is how I think about kind of the future of brand building in two parts, co-creation and then incentivization with Joggy. Anyone who was part of the community got to essentially influence this first version of the Joggy Energy Drink. So we've essentially worked on the development with this Joggy Doggy Collectible Holder group, our community, over the last seven months, and then the first version of it launched and was only accessible to Joggy Doggy holders a week or two ago. I think it was two weeks now. Um, oh, wow. But but what's so cool is with Joggy, our own incubated brand, we're getting to try you know, trial and error, a lot of this, but the co-creation just makes sense. Like getting people's insights and, in, and kind of preferences ahead of going to, you know, place a PO, uh, makes sense. And so the real, the goal there has with Joggy energy and, and our community, Ben, um, let's make the best clean energy drink. And I got to say it, it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it sounds awesome. What, um, and then how did you, so you started with Joggy. And then you had, tr- had Try Your Best and now like Try Your Best is the parent company of Joggy. How do you, well, it's like, how are you working on two things at once and then still like yeah. moving forward with both of them? Both are shipping new features and improving. Yeah. How do you How do you balance yeah. that besides Joggy? <laughs> yeah,
1: of course. Um, this is something I didn't do well in my past. And again, I'm all about learning and applying them here. So don't make the same mistake twice is something I think about often. But in, in the past, I didn't bring leadership in soon enough. And so mm. with both companies, We've been able to hire and and recruit essentially people that um can very much complement you know what I'm great at. So I'm able to focus on what I'm best at for both companies. So TYB Technologies, we have uh, a four-person leadership team. Um, and that that's like a whole different <laughs> business. I've had to become this like wild salesperson. Um, but but selling SaaS products is a whole, whole different ballgame. I'm actually quite enjoying it. And then we hired a CEO for um, Joggy. His name's Namit. He was the CFO of Onnit. Are you familiar yeah. with Onnit?
0: Yeah, I've heard of Onnit.
1: Okay, so Onnit was—they sold Onnit to Unilever. It was Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus's supplement brand. So he's like an expert in the space, able to help us really master the fundamentals and kind of the core business model. And I'm able to play, um, you know, where I love product, brand, and community.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And then like within this whole strategy, like community is a huge part. I hear everyone listening to the podcast, you know, what about, what about my meta spend? What about Google? What about Amazon? What about all these things that I'm already thinking out? Like how, how do, how do all those, how do all the existing channels fit into this model? Like, are you scaling Joggy, and you're like, we're not even going to do that. Or like, what is it? What does the rest of your marketing mix look like?
1: Yeah. Our, our core kind of go to market. It starts with the strategy of IR, uh, activate IRL, amplify through digital and social. So same playbook as After Voices, distributed events happening kind of at all times. Um, the second is really making content or uh, making influencer and affiliate a beast uh, that you know is not new to anyone. And then the third is content. And so we're starting a getting joggy with kind of content series um, on YouTube and uh, on as a podcast. Um, but that's going to be our core. And then we'll we'll amplify a bit across. Um, you know, some of the paid social channels, but that will not by no means be 30 to 40% of our spend. Hmm, I think, I think the other thing there, and I, I already said direct to consumer is not direct, but also the direct to consumer VC funded model is a model that doesn't have a high probability of success. Right. And so we're raising all, all of this money and ultimately as founders dilute ourselves, but the, but you know, with raising all this money, the pressure to grow at breakneck speed also comes with that. And, you know, the wheels certainly have the potential to come off when you're trying to grow an apparel brand uh, at hockey stick growth. And so I think we're going to start to see, you know, it be, we already are seeing it being harder to raise money. People aren't going to have, be as flush with cash. And I think that's a good thing. I think we're going to have mm-hmm. to grow a little bit slower and and really kind of shift our, our focus from... How fast can we acquire people to, how do we grow lifetime value and, and really focus on on retention? Totally. I'm curious it, your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think like looking at the market, like the brands that are the biggest today weren't grown in five years. They were grown totally. in like, you know, minimum 20. Like you look at Lululemon or you look at Olaplex or Canada Goose, like these are all like minimum decade long runs. Um, that like, you know, even a company like Olaplex, that's only been around like a decade. Like they grew through the professional salon channel before really hitting Sephora and D2C. And it's like, you know, they probably weren't like, oh, let's run a community strategy. It was just like, you know, this is who needs our product, but they built that community among salons and stylists. And then it's like, you have that trust. Everybody's using the product, even if they don't know it exists yet, you're getting your hair dyed or whatever. And then they continue to grow from there. You know, you look at Lululemon today, which is like, you know, grown beyond cult following and is now in like every mom in Ohio's closet too. Um, yeah. You know, that was also a yeah. long time in the making versus, yeah. you know, a lot of these brands. Like I said earlier, like people were starting companies they weren't passionate about, trying to scale them overnight, yeah. not having, you know, not caring about the brand, not focusing on profitability at all
1: yeah. when like yeah. growing a
0: little slower, as painful as it is sometimes because you just want to like see see those month over month, year over year percentages as high as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah I mean, I think retention is key too, but it's, it's, it's to have good retention, you kind of got to go grow slower too. Cause you need people to give people time to buy again and totally. to like develop that community.
1: Yeah, totally. That that's where like, we're with TYB so focused on how do we prove that you can make community an effective growth channel. And it might be a little bit slower, but it's much stronger. And um, it, I like to think of it as like, enabling or kind of like augmenting word of mouth. Um, So we'll see, but the cool thing about building on chain, pardon me, uh, is we're now able to make community measurable. And this was something that was really difficult in the past. I'm also curious your thoughts here, Um, but we can uh, connect purchase purchase data through our Shopify essentially integration where people can redeem their coins for discounts uh, to engagement and so, that's a pretty cool new view. And I think of it just as making community measurable. But I remember kind of sitting in the boardroom at Outdoor Voices knowing that our community efforts were the most valuable, you know, place to spend, but having no essentially go-to tool to be able to show the clear ROI on this channel for us and incremental revenue, repeat purchases, et cetera, that were driven by this, what we called Team V, our ambassador program. So really the collectible on the brand side is about. Creating a single ID that now you can start to track um, essentially the value created by this distributed network of fans.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it's not like when someone tells someone about a product, like the UTMs are added and appended perfectly to. You know, word of mouth. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. anything closer you can get to tracking, the better for sure. Yeah. And then like incentivize... I love the idea of incentivizing the best customers too, yeah. to like talk about it more because people love talking about what they love anyway.
1: Well, and And you gamify it. We have a leaderboard. And so essentially, oh. this is really about like progressive trust building where the 100 yeah. most engaged we can see, we can airdrop them, let's say, you know, a limited edition joggy cap or whatever. It becomes... Yeah. This game that the community is playing where they can see kind of where they stack rank um, and start to compete, which is quite cool.
0: I mean, that's huge. Like people, even a leaderboard that doesn't lead to a result. I feel like that's Uh massively underestimated. Like I remember playing video games growing up, like people would brag about being ranked like, you know, XX global or whatever. And it's like, you didn't get anything for that. If anything, Uh, like, you know, you wasted too much of your life playing some video game. But it's like yeah. people love to be like number one at something. Um, yeah, so even totally. like if there's not a reward, it's like being able to track that, I feel like is, um, you know, something fun for brands to do. And like yeah. your best customers would love that because they want to be totally. number one.
1: Totally. And and if I were to like distill it, like what I'm so into about about the tool that we've built is like, I think of it just as like creating an, an experiential funnel. And so like you mm. can create these little challenges and moments kind of anywhere in your marketing funnel that that make the brand more sticky and and essentially create this flywheel of fandom around the brand and product.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. One thing you did say that I thought was super interesting is you're like, in your list of growing a company besides community, you're like affiliate and influencer, I forget exactly what you said, but you were like dialed in on affiliate and influencer hard or something like that. Um, What do you mean by that? What's your approach to affiliate and influencer? And yeah, yeah, curious your thoughts Um, on that approach
1: i don't so so the community channel includes influencers right or like traditional influencers what's nice about the community channel is like anyone that's a fan can participate so it's not just like you came from like to know it or whatever or you're signed up with like to know it i i more so think of influencer just as picking the right um i guess like people for the brand and then getting many of them and so for me it's the recreationalist it's like People who have amassed a following that are um, that are active and and like athletes or joggers, whatever on the spectrum of activity, it doesn't matter to me. But like, how do we get how do we include those people um, in essentially the the community that we're growing? So uh i'm actually curious what are your thoughts on like the de-influencing thing and and kind of what's the state of influencer in your in your world (laughs) i don't know
0: i mean (laughs) that's just like a thing as of like a week ago i feel like i feel like it's scary for brands you know like what happens when i mean even when things that like aren't true just like start growing it's like a swarm on tiktok like Once one rumor happens, I can't even think of any specific off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, but it's like, you know, Oh, X ingredient and Y product causes this. And it's like totally fake, but it goes so viral. And these TikToks get like 5 million views. I mean, I think it's really tricky as a brand because like, you know, on, on the one side, people are being discovered this way. But then Mm -hmm. on the other side, I think brands need to be really smart about the influencers that they choose to partner with and work with because they're under like more scrutiny than ever before but then there's like the anti-influencer that makes fun of them who are like really in right now too and Mm -hmm. like i saw one company do uh do a promo with them and all the comments were like i thought she was making fun of them but this is actually a product placement but like for some reason i want to buy it because of it and like that's where like the modern consumer is so weird because it's like it's a person doing a product promo they're like i don't like this but i'm gonna buy from this person because she's normally like it's it's normally satire and it's just like i don't know it's just like way harder to predict or project it's not the like dollar in dollar out uh totally, facebook totally. method that it used to be so you got to be authentic from the beginning totally. otherwise like they know it's tough yeah, though yeah
1: totally totally yeah what do you think and i i am such like a i guess brand person and and like authenticity's been always just kind of import, very important to me um one of our kind of ways of creating content at Outdoor voices we call the document don't produce and so like the, our our essentially athletes have to be like actually able to rock climb and like rock climbers so from a casting perspective like you're working with real people that like know how to belay or whatever like that right. that's just like deeply rooted in me so I I don't quite get influencer you know in the way that many brands do it today but influencer to me is like about the opportunity to hand pick like the best representatives um of your brand and so I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see it shake out. Uh one thing I know just from being kind of caught up in the in the mm, female founder press world, I think that was 2020 when there when there was a, lo- a lot of like journalism happening just around female founders um totally. is that yeah. like bad press you're so scared of but like ultimately it just gets more eyeballs. So I felt that um <laughs> firsthand. I I remember like hearing about some Glaring article that was coming out, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna like, I can't live after this. And then ultimately, it just helped. It was like,
0: c- yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine. I know, like, so many of those found. It's so funny because it's like kind of the opposite of like what the media was supposed to do, and like even contrary to what they were saying for like years leading up to it. It's just like anytime they can have. I was just listening to something this morning where they're talking about like nobody calls out the good content. Like if it's like Paris Fashion Week, no one's like this was great. Like yeah. the articles that people write and that people click into are like, this is terrible. And it's like knowing that that's what all the press is there for, like that totally. sucks.
1: It's crazy. I mean, but in in my case, like being some somewhat the face of the brand, like very much helped me to like get the story across. So like that right. was, I, I don't know that I would have done anything differently, but it became the Achilles heel because then we had these huge targets on our back. Um, so interesting. I think ultimately like, Particularly, particularly for female founders, like this is par for the course, and life goes on, and and we're just gonna have to get like, I guess, stronger and be able to get through kind of those moments. But ultimately, like, we have to normalize that there are challenges at companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, it's so dumb too, because like nobody, like it's just so dumb. Like it's it's not necessary at all. Like who cares? Like it's a startup and. How, totally. like also, what what even is true? Who knows? Like, I totally. don't know. I'm not there. I mean, you probably know what's going on at certain companies that are private more so than you know other people. But I know it's totally. a mess. Did you see the um the all the Tarte cosmetics stuff that happened over the last couple of weeks?
1: I don't think no. I'm I like yeah, <laughs> don't follow it. But tell me,
0: they went to some. There was some. I don't. I don't. I don't even fully know what happened. But basically tart went to um this is like the the influencer brand tea tart cosmetics goes to dubai to i think like Uh launch in sephora there or something and they ship like all these influencers out and like they're paying for like you know these emirates first class flights for like them and a guest and like you know people on tiktok are looking up how much these are they're looking up how much the suites are and then like while they're there like just all these rumors are swirling like I don't even remember remember what they are, but it's like kind of crazy the backlash. Do you are you familiar? I mean, Did you I guess- hear of this?
1: I-, I remember kind of like peripherally seeing it, but like I guess it's becoming a new channel of entertainment. So I mean, <laughs> you know, we're in we're in the show business now.
0: I guess. <laughs> well, then like there were all these rumors like oh it's like i don't even know what was happening but then they launched this new product and it's just i would be so curious to know because it was like a bunch of you know just people on tiktok making these like negative tiktoks i don't know what actually happened or what ended up coming out of it but i also would love to know like what happened to their revenue like did it get destroyed or did it like spike up into the right on every channel i feel like it probably went up
1: i think so just just knowing any controversy in my experience has um, been helpful from revenue, but uh, <laughs> not that I want to deal with that again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. It was crazy. It's like, you know, the CEO had to get on and issue a statement. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's just like totally. bad light of these times because it was like such a crazy trip. And then other people yeah. are, you know, paycheck to paycheck or, yeah. you know, max out on credit cards as we're like getting these reports of like people having less savings. So I don't really know, but you know, that's where it's like, you really got to be careful and authentic as a brand. Cause it's, yeah, totally. uh, especially knowing your customer, it's not like Tarte is like La Mer, right? Yeah, like people aren't totally. completely expecting that. <laughs> Definitely an interesting, interesting time for sure. Um, how are you thinking about obviously community, all of that? I know Outdoor Voices had like re- a retail present. Obviously meeting yeah. in person is huge for you. I want to end on like, you know, thinking about Joggy, like, is there a retail play there? Are you going to have own stores? Are you going to... You know, go wholesale or what does that look like i'm, I'm curious yeah, your
1: we're, we're gonna start experimenting with uh different channels with amazon and and some kind of specific uh stores and three markets so um Ooh, nice. like really one thing that's worked well for us is just like go saturate a uh, market versus going wide which i think you know sounds obvious but it's important and so <laughs> sounds
0: um, obvious still you ask like any founder like what are your initiatives this year it's like Amazon, we want to launch own stores, we want to scale totally. Totally. wholesale, totally. we want to reduce our on Facebook. It's like there's so many things. But um
1: totally so no, we're, that's awesome. We're, we'll we'll do a bit of distribution in New York, Texas, and California. And and what nice. that looks like is some mom and pop. Actually, they're not mom and pop, they're more specialty like running stores. Um oh, interesting. So like we're, you know, the, the cool thing with joggy is like yeah, we get to apply the learnings from the past, but like we're going, we're really focused in a lot of ways on like becoming part of running culture and then like, and we have the time to do it. So, um, (laughs) I, I like, again, the headlines like activating IRL. So you'll see a lot more kind of programming, um, on a local level that's joggy powered, which is pretty fun. We need to get you out there.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing I'm picturing, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like the slow growth has paid off, the EBITDA is fat, the community mm-hmm. is engaged, everyone's buying the product again and again. I mean, just like Red Bull. I wouldn't say I have an allegiance to Red Bull, but it's like I, I, know, I, I buy yes. multiple Red Bulls per year. Yeah. Um
1: Red Bull like Red Bull, you can think of Doggy as like the the like little Gen Z sister with like better ingredients. But I'm I've been ready much for it. I, I think they their playbook is incredible and like they feel like a rebel spirit and joggy's gonna feel similar. Um and again, like the the connection in real life is is really you know what we're powering here. I think Red Bull does a really nice job with that.
0: Yeah, and they definitely took it's it's easier to look at their playbook now and be like, oh, it's genius. Like they just went after action sports. It's like <laughs> that was dumb in the beginning. Like nobody yeah. was saying that was a good idea. It was like, you're just going to lose money. Sports sponsorships are the worst. It's only like a high, like high brand play. It's not going to actually drive revenue, Uh, which is so funny because it's like, you know, people could look at the Web3 and be like, come on, like you need to run Facebook ads. You need to do what's always been done. um, Yeah, I think think people need to focus.
1: Like, you know, focus more. Take your joggy and focus. (laughs) Yeah, you don't need to be on every channel. So like do what really feels again authentic and and right for you. So um I think we're going to see more of that just because there's less dollars to spend crazily across everywhere.
0: Yeah, I like that. Like you got to be great now. You can't just be okay and totally. you got to love what you do.
1: I am curious with brands, so obviously you're like there. It's it's so much easier to make to start a brand, but like that much harder to be successful. What do you yeah. think happens over the next few years with kind of the markets where we are? Are there fewer brands? I'm curious if you can just give us a little bit of your wisdom on the future.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I'm being reverse interviewed right now. Um yeah. <laughs> I think you got to be great. I think for the last five years you didn't have to be great, and um, you could cover a lot of things up. There was cheap debt. There was unlimited funding options. I think you got to care about the brand. I think the best people really cared about the brand. I think the next year is going to be really interesting. I think you kind of... There's a survival window for brands that exist right now. And you really need to, like you're saying, focus on what's working, not try to launch every channel and like there's no clawing your way out. Like just survive right now. I was listening to another founder the other day talk about how like, you know, we just want to survive this thing. So like at the end of it, we can sprint out and our competitors are crawling out with one arm or limping out and we're able to run. And I think that's a great approach and it's hard to transition to that after like so much growth. But then I think you really got to love the brand. And if, you know, you invented a toothpaste company because, oh, it's a great market. And, you know, B12 is crushing it right now as an ingredient. Like, I don't know if that's going to work.
1: It's all, I don't know. all that's about what I longevity. That, that's yeah. like, and even with Joggy, it's energy through the lens of longevity. Like what's ultimately going to give you energy that's not going to like cut days off your life, right? But then yeah. it's make, invest right now in your fans and make them an extension of your team. So when we come out of this, like you have a whole army of people kind of um, ready to go for you. So super interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think so too. I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think if you're great, you don't have anything to worry about. And if you're not, just like get better and you'll be yeah. fine too. Um, and have more fun. Like everyone's so stressed out like totally. running a brand is one of the most creative things you can do, like totally. um and still get paid for it and not have to be like really pushing and marketing yourself like a, uh, you know, a musician or like yeah. whatever creative has to.
1: Totally. Um, but it's hard. I, I one thing I'm I've been working on and made happen today is I feel like on Monday mornings you're like I gotta get in like first thing, and it's just like you know the week stacked. Let's get going. Yeah. But I've been starting to like take a little bit of time and like really prioritize uh, exercise. And so I literally went jogging with our pony today. I'm not joking. Uh, more fun. It was, it was like a, a horse. To... Yeah. <laughs> I'll <laughs> send you a picture. It's Did you ride
0: the horse or you ran oh, next a, to it?
1: It's like a miniature pony. Oh, you can't ride, ride it her, yet. Dogger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it it just like setting the tone or priming kind of your mind for the day with exercise is something I can't recommend more. So I'm taking yeah. the time and, and making the time to do that.
0: I love that. I think like being a kid more as adults is like super <laughs> underrated. Like I even went for a bike ride the other day and afterwards I was like, wow, I feel great. And it's mm-hmm. like uh, running bikes, not as easy as it used to be. It's funny. I got a bike and I was like, wow, this is way harder than I remember. And like, I'm better at it now, but it's funny how that happens. But, yeah. um, yeah, just like do do even if it only really takes an hour, like just do something fun totally. for like an hour, get your endorphins going, pop, a, totally. pop some joggy in, yeah. amplify the experience. And then it's funny, like you'll do something like that. And then you're like ready to work instead of like, totally. oh, you know, people talk Sunday scaries. It's like the Monday morning, just like overload. But no, mm-hmm. that's great. I think people need to have more fun. I think that'll make everything more fun over the next.
1: Totally. I have two, old, two kids now, a one year old, one year old and three year old. And and the cool thing <laughs> is it. see that back to like thinking like a kid so for instance this weekend we were at the park but like shooting hoops and i haven't shot a basketball for like 10 years but i wasn't all that rusty after the first 10 minutes um so anyway yeah i a lot more play a a lot more play i think we all need
0: how do you how do you how do you have time for everything you have two entrepreneurial kids in um tyb and joggy and then you have two real kids and then you have a pony and you have a dog
1: I know it's totally. Nuts. What's the secret? No. CBD. <laughs> no, I mean, that, dog. That's why I, I started an energy company. I have, <laughs> I have to feel like the energizer bunny. You know, um, I I like to try a lot, often and early. Um,
0: that's amazing.
1: Back, but uh, yes, I I just operate that way, um, and I like building, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, a lot going on is my my kind of ideal recipe.
0: Yeah. It sounds fun. I mean, running with a pony, it's pretty... I mean, I don't think anybody's ever said that on on, on this podcast before. So a lot <laughs> of respect I'm, for that. I'm
1: sending but, you the video. It's too much. Yeah.
0: All right. That's hilarious. Well, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to come on, Ty. I really appreciate yeah, it. I know you've got a lot going on. For everybody who's interested, you know, we talked a lot about this new model for commerce and building a brand. Where can they go to find out about TYB? And if they need some energy, where can they go to find out about Joggy?
1: Yeah, of course. TYB.XYZ. Um, and fill out the form. We've got a ton of brands in the pipeline, so you'll see more go-lives in, in, in every week, really. Um, so excited to have you. And then Joggy is getjoggy.com. Um, and I'll, I'll share a uh, code with you so that anyone who's listening can, can get a discount. Cool.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much. We'll link that up down in the show notes below, but yeah, really appreciate you yeah, coming perfect. on.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dylan.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day.